Welcome to the Clinic Secrets Podcast, where we give you an insider's look into what the top 1% of all clinic owners are doing differently to get more patients, make more profit per patient, and keep them longer, and the many failures and lessons that we have learned along the way. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. All right, guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 51 of Clinic Growth Secrets, and I am honored to have my guest on here today. I'm with Dr. Nona Javid, and she is the founder of Part-Time Chiropractice, Part-Time Million Dollar Chiropractice, excuse me, and she has a story that I believe needs to be heard around the world. And so first and foremost, Dr. Nona, thanks for being with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here with you. Absolutely. It's an absolute pleasure. And like I said, at the very beginning, again, you have a story that literally needs to be heard around the world. And your story, if I remember right, it starts as a child and you were born in a third world country. And you talk about, you know, on your website, you know, where women of all ages were suppressed and disempowered and robbed of their freedoms and basic human rights. I want to start there before anything. Can you talk to me a little bit about your childhood and how it kind of formed you into the person that you are today? Yeah, absolutely. I, um, so I was born in Iran and I moved here with my family when I was 16 years old. So prior, or I guess in the first 16 years of my life, I'm in this third world country where women's rights basically do not exist. And um, women are encouraged to stay at home and take on more traditional roles, if you would, right? And so that, I mean, I know that that's not unique to my situation and the country I come from. And I think that some of it still exists in the United States. However, it's pretty extreme in a Middle Eastern, you know, country, third world country. And I think that um, at the same time, I I did have the blessing of having a father figure, um, my dad, who's like my absolute best friend, but, and it's funny that this conversation is coming up because I spent some time with him this morning before this podcast. And we were talking about how um, unique of a situation I was in as a little girl to have my dad support the things that I wanted to do. Um, even as an adult, like my, my dad is the one that we're actually business partners in one of the businesses that I have. And so he's always been supportive and sort of pushing me in the directions that I've been wanting to go without any hesitation. And so that was unique, but of course it doesn't mean that with that support, it, it, uh, over ride, you know, it didn't override all the things that a third world country and a culture that, you know, that kind of comes with that um, sense of like keeping women where they need to be or where they should be. And so um, the other part of the challenge was when I actually moved here to the United States at 16, didn't speak a word of English, believe it or not. Like I just knew hello and goodbye, like some little things like table and apple and food, you know? <laughs> and um, I was, I think it was literally 10 days later, like we arrived and then 10 days later, I had to go and be a senior in high school. And so that was an absolute culture shock. And I don't think I spoke for an entire two months because I was so afraid that I was going to say things wrong. And the other thing that happened that kind of leads me or led me to an entrepreneurial path was that, well, of course, when we came here, my parents had saved up like their entire life saving. 
and they arrive in the U.S. and it's pretty much nothing by the time you get to the to the U.S. in terms of U.S. dollars. And so that wasn't going to last very long. And my dad, who's got a higher education degree, both my parents do, and all this other stuff, now they're over here and they can barely make their, you know, they can barely like put food on the table. And so experiencing poverty at that level at, in, in that age range and at the time that I arrived in the U.S., so it was like culture shock teenage hormones, you know, and then on top of it, here I am experiencing extreme poverty, like wondering if we're going to have food or not the next day. And I think that a combination of all of those was the thing that was like, okay, I only see my only way out of this situation is well, number one, myself. I'm the only person that can help me do this. And the second thing was, um, during that period, I also got a job because I thought money or having a job was going to get me out of that situation, right? Poverty, you get a job, you have money, you can spend, especially at a 16 year old. Mm -hmm. And, um, Jeff, I got a job as a cashier at a fast food place. It was the first job I ever got. And it was the best job I ever had and the worst job I ever had. It was the best job I ever had because, of course, it gave me money and all that stuff, but it was the worst job I ever had because for the first time, I realized I didn't know any better. I'd never had a job or anything, but I realized I couldn't do that. I could not have a job. I, um, it was just not for me. I, I couldn't listen to somebody else tell me what to do or how to go about things. I mean, we're talking like 16 year old who's also rebellious and wants to do things or what. Anyways, long story short, and I don't even know if this is what you were looking for, but, <laughs> but this is what's coming up. So long story short, I, um, that was the last job I ever held. And after that, I, um, started a tutoring company. I was really good at math and science and things like that. And so I started a tutoring company where at the beginning it was myself and you can picture like a 16 year old, 17 year old, and then 18 year old, just kind of, you know, uh, I had, uh, started with myself tutoring people in calculus, kids in calculus. And then as I got the word, uh, to, to kind of, I got the word out there, then I ha I'd hired other tutors that I would send to people's homes. And I had this dream of opening up a tutoring center. And, um, and then I, I studied really, really hard. Um, you know, and it was so much harder for me because I didn't understand what I was studying, but I got accepted to Berkeley. I went to Berkeley and then I met a chiropractor. My chiropractic story is not all that exciting. It's literally like I met a chiropractor at a party. He cracked my neck. He did not adjust my neck. He cracked my neck. And then it was like, what was that? <laughs> I need to learn more and I'm going to become a chiropractor. That's kind of what happened. And, um, but all throughout Berkeley, even chiropractic school, I continued to tutor and sort of build that side of my business in different towns that I had, I'd been in, like from Southern California, Northern California, all of that. And so once I graduated chiropractic school, I knew that I was going to have my own office. Um, but there's this thought and, you know, if any of you out there hearing this, this concept, like especially students or new docs coming out of school that you have to be an associate for a year. I heard that over and over again, but they also tell you 
70% of chiropractors fail in their first year in business. So I'm hearing all of these things in uh, chiropractic school. And I, um, I was like, okay, I guess I got to be an associate. So I went on, I became an associate probably for eight months. And so that didn't last very long. I guess it was, I only held two jobs. I should have, I lied at the beginning, but I held two jobs. So I was an associate for eight months. And then I decided it was time for me to start my own thing. Moved in a new town, started from zero. I had absolutely no money when I first started. And I built a practice inside of somebody else's practice. I hustled. Back in the day, there was no Facebook ads. There was no you know, there was no uh, paper, barely anyone was doing like any paper click. There was no like social media was even, wasn't even a thing. And it was a middle of a, um, economy shutdown because 2008 is when it happened. And, um, so I started my business in 2008 in the middle of the economic shutdown. And next thing you know, three years later, I was able to buy the building, you know, uh, 10 years into it. I have, associates working. I've got three little locations for weight loss. I've got, I mean, like, you know, it just kind of grew from there. And, um, it got to a point where it was like, okay, I had chiropractors that would come to me and ask, well, how are you doing this? And especially being a female chiropractor, um, and, and the ways that I shifted my clinic into being able to work part-time and still not run a Mickey Mouse operation, have like a profitable, good business. Um, then from there developed into, you know, the part-time million dollar cash practice, which has its own stories of, of struggle as well. Um, but that's kind of the, the long version <laughs> of everything. hundred percent. That, that was amazing. I, you know, I appreciate you going into super detail. So one thing I, I, I want to go back on, I think it's important, right? So, you know, you, you meet the Cairo, you end up becoming a Cairo, work as an associate after your first job in fast food. So you had two jobs after coming from essentially nothing, right? And you talk about, a lot about in your content, you know, you know, maintaining that mindset, right? And so do you remember having like a pretty positive mindset and attitude, like even when you were in the third world country? And how has that kind of translated to where your mindset is today? Yeah, that's such a good question. I um, interviewed my dad for a, a series like this, like on a podcast for my podcast. And I asked him that question. I said, well, what was, what was I like as a kid? And he said, um, and I do remember what he's talking about, but, I, but he said I was maybe 10 to 15. I don't remember how old I was, but apparently he bought a book for himself called Creative Visualization. It's not in English, but that's the translation of it. And um, he had bought the book, he brought it home, and apparently I read it. And then I was using the techniques as a little kid to talk to my dad and converse my dad, converse with my dad, and con and convince him to buy me certain things or to do certain things for me. So apparently I was like manipulating my dad <laughs> to get the things I wanted, but using this, the, the techniques or the tools that this book, I have no idea what it was about. I, I don't even, I can't even foresee cause it's creative visualization. But anyways, that's my dad's how he remembered it. And so I think that I, I have been prone to that prone to like, okay, well, what can I do? Focusing on what I can do instead of what my limitations are in a third world country. Like there are so many things you cannot do, but 
maybe there's one or two things you can do that you can focus on that whether you're grateful for or that that will move you forward in a business or in a career or in your schooling or whatever so that kind of innately came with that and then of course it gets exacerbated as an adult and it becomes more and more and bigger and bigger as a business owner as an entrepreneur when i became a mom all of those mindset stuff just kind of you know uh evolves over time 100 so so it's basically just taking exactly the things you thought as a kid and just amplifying over time i think that we share a very similar thing and that, you know, I knew from a very young age myself that I wasn't prepared to work for anybody else. You know, my parents were both entrepreneurs and stuff like that. So I think like, I can tell just speaking to you, it's, you know, it's, it's always been in your blood and you've always known, do you consider yourself a, an intuitive person when something feels right, you just go after it? Um, I wish I could say I'm, I'm, I'm probably yes, intuitive. I wish I was more intuitive or I tapped into that area of myself more. Um, but yes, if I know something, I will go after it and I will make it happen. hundred percent, hundred percent. What do you, addition to your, like your dad, you know, I was curious, you know, from being able to be in a situation like you were in at a young child and not being able to have, you know, the, the opportunity to even really express yourself, you know, other than like your father, did you have any other like mentors or other, any other influencers that had like a big impact on your life? Or where do you feel that like your North Star was? Gosh, um, I feel <laughs> the only influencer I had back in the day was like uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, with his okay. picture my closet door and <laughs> Backstreet Boys or whatever. Uh, but no, um, to be honest, no, I didn't. My dad was the, and my dad was not and is not entrepreneurial. But one thing he did have and he does have is just kind of support whatever crazy entrepreneurial dreams that I might have. And uh, that was the biggest thing I could have asked for. But no, I didn't have any until I came across, you know, more of the modern day uh, mentors of, you know, as an adult, like was introduced to Tony Robbins, was, you know, then you come across Oprah and you know, so many other both spiritual and motivational, inspirational people in my life, like over the past decade or two. Um, but I think that, and I think this is the biggest piece is a lot of times we look, um, we look up to other people. We look for external factors that, um, something to save me, something to like teach me something, somebody to teach me or somebody to take me to that next level. And I experienced a lot of that, especially the first early on, like first few years in, in my, in uh, starting my own business, because I didn't have an entrepreneurial parent or uncle or anybody like that. It was like, I had to figure it out the hard way. And I think um, a part of that uh, was fine, was realizing that I have all the answers that you know because how many times i mean us chiropractors were will we'll be looking for that next shiny object <laughs> that's going to take our practice to the next level you know like is the thing to do by the next laser machine is the thing to do to sign up for this coach or is that there is no one thing right but you ultimately learn to tap into that i guess intuitive place since you brought it up 
tap into that intuitive place or that higher self um, inside of within yourself to um, figure out where to go next, what to buy next, what to invest in, how to do it. Most of the time, the answer is do all of it. 100%. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point too, where a lot of times, the, especially when you get into entrepreneurship, it's, it's two things. It's one, it's looking for the shiny object and trying to find like that solution that's going to like cure all. But then it's also like just being like too fancy. You know, a lot of the stuff that we talk about is just like, you know, doing the boring work, you know, doing all the stuff that seems repetitive day in and day out, but it's the stuff that's just like slowly moving your needle in the right direction. You know what I mean? And so I think a lot of people get distracted by all these different like, ooh, a new tactic, new strategy, new this, new that, when in reality, they just need to be doing what, do more of what's already working for them. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. Because so if you have, I mean, this is, I forget who I heard this from. I wish I, I would remember so I can quote him, but there was the, the example of like, you start at one point, point A, and then most people, like 99% of people, they just kind of zigzag in order to get to point B. And if they could just stay focused, and, and the key word is consistent, they could just stay consistent. Even if it was an imperfect action, like I'm going to do this, this thing every day, but I'm going to do it, I'm going to, uh, uh, I was going to say half-ass it. But <laughs> well, you, can, you can swear on here, man. I don't give a shit. <laughs> All right, good. So you can, you can even half-ass it, but if you half-ass every single day, that's a complete ass right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> right? Like you got to stay consistent. And so that will look like point A, like direct line to point B instead of zigzagging, zigzagging and getting distracted by the shiny objects that come up or other projects that come up. So taking imperfect actions and doing so consistently is the only thing that's going to give you results. Most of the time, it's, it is the boring stuff, like you said. The boring work, man. And uh, that's, you know, that, that, that kind of leads into my next kind of segment here, which I want to go into. I mean, you've coached with, at this point, probably hundreds of different docs, you know, and obviously when you coach for that period of time, you start to recognize patterns and trends and whether it's mindset or any sort of strategies, right? You know, if you, if you had to say, you know, the one or two things that you feel like are holding providers back from like actually reaching their full potential, what, what would you say? Oh, gosh, I have the perfect answer for you. Okay. Let's you hear it. I can't I'm excited. Okay. So here's, here's what I think. And I, I've realized this with, with entrepreneurs, with chiropractors, service providers, uh, human beings. This is our biggest problem. So there's this universal law that says there is a solution for every single problem. Okay. And I hope those of you who are listening or watching, I hope you're writing this down because it's, it's gold. It's, it's life changing. Grab a pen folks. This is it. This is it. Write it down. So, uh, every, every problem has a solution, Jeff. Right. And so doctors will come and say, okay, well, I want more collection. I want more new patients. I want more, um, better retention. I want more money. I want to switch to cash. I don't want to take insurance anymore. I want to, I mean, these are like typical problems in a chiropractic office specifically, but it really in any business, more revenue, less time spent on the business or more freedom, some version of that. So those are all problems. And I want everybody to realize that 
the solution exists, right? There's tools, strategies, the information out there that you, knowledge that you can put your hands on and you can, you, can, you can find the solution. Now, if the solution exists to every single problem that you have, then why do you continue to have a problem? Because most doctors you'll talk to, they'll be like, I'll have a problem with my new patients. Well, how long have you had this problem for? Well, past three years. Well, okay, well, the solution existed three years ago. The solution still exists today. Why do you still have this problem? They'll be like, I don't know. Why is it that I have this problem? Maybe the solution does not exist. So, so it's not that the solution doesn't exist. It's that you are resisting that solution. There's something blocking you from seeing that solution, from seeing that as being the solution, from investing in that as the solution, right? There's something that's blocking you. And nine out of 10 times, I'm here to tell you that the solution for the problem, the biggest problem you have in your clinic or in your personal life, the solution of that is literally sitting right in front of you and you have your blinders on, and you're unable to see what's in front of you as the solution that's going to remove your problem like this. Just unable to do so. And one of the things that I started in 2020, really forced to start with my clients, was to tap into this specific thing. It's like, what are you resisting? Let's, let's figure out what it is that you are not, uh, that's, that's sort of not allowing you to move the needle forward. You've been saying you want to see this volume for three years. You've been saying that you want this number. So what, what is it? Like what's got, what needs to change and what is stopping you from making that change? And I think, so, and I, I don't know that, uh, it's obviously different for every person when they contemplate that and when they come up with what that solution looks like. But I think a lot of times, especially with chiropractors, it comes down to their identity. Like if you foresee, if you see yourself as this entrepreneur who is able to see, you know, this number of people and make this much money and you don't identify with a multi-million dollar clinic, you don't identify with a franchise. Maybe the idea of a franchise or multi-million dollar clinic overwhelms you. Then no matter what goals you set, you're not, it's like a temperature, right? Like a thermostat, like your identity is over here. I don't care what you, what you do, what you try to do. You can even get over here. If you find what you're resisting, you're like, oh, I'm resisting this other identity over here that is entrepreneurial, that is making millions of dollars and whatever lives a comfortable life. If you don't, if, if you identify it really quick, you'll get there, but then you'll drop back down. So it's, that, it's our sense of identity that does not match where our vision is or where we want to go. Does that make sense? I hope I did it justice because this, this concept of resisting and how your identity plays into that has been life-changing for myself, like in my own businesses. Yeah. Um, and I, I've seen it in my chiropractors too. I mean, we had a chiropractor who um, we worked on the identity, we worked on it in my mastermind group. And um, she went from beginning of the pandemic, what the heck am I gonna do? I gotta close my business to middle of the pandemic, or maybe it was like towards the 
there's no end to the pandemic so far, but like, it was like six months after the pandemic had started. And she's like, I bought a house for my mom. It's a dream I've had for seven years. So that shift is possible once you determine the thing that you are resisting. 100%. Yeah, I think that's, I think that goes really well. I think you have to almost like level up to your success. You know, I think there's a lot of reason that there's a lot of NBA stars, NFL players that make millions overnight and they end up losing it is because their character traits have not yet been developed to actually sustain that level of success. And I think, as you know, and this is true inside and outside of chiropractic as well, you know, but I think as like business owners, you know, you know, many moons ago, we were working in with personal trainers. This is way back in the day, right? And many of them, they would have this thing where they would say, I'm the best personal trainer in town. I'm the best this and that. And I say, well, none of it really matters until you can actually get the market to understand. And so you might be the best doctor, you might be the best chiropractor, you might be the best personal trainer, but you have to actually transition yourself to become the best entrepreneur to even have the ability to even serve people at that level. You know what I mean? And so I think you bring up a good point where people haven't made that transition yet. And they haven't identified themselves as that entrepreneur, which is really what's going to take them to get to the next level, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, you, you, uh, if I can just add to that, because you yeah. brought such a good point, you're saying these people out there, and I see this in chiropractors and a lot of service providers too, is they'll say, I'm the best, right? Like chiropractic saves lives. Chiropractic is this amazing thing. But when it comes down to us, investing in our health or in more importantly too well not more importantly but health is number one but for us as chiropractors as a pop as a population or profession to invest in our health or to invest in our business that's meant to help other people like how much resistance is there right like okay you want to take your business to the next level? This is what you got to do. You got to do Facebook ads. You got to do Google. You got to do this. You got to do that. It takes an investment to do so. If you truly believe that you are the best chiropractor and that chiropractic saves lives or is this amazing thing that you say it is, then you really, it should be an easy decision to invest in your business, whether it's advertising, coaching, mastermind groups, you know, like these professional athletes that we're talking about with where they seemingly get overnight success, well, how much do they work on their craft? And we as chiropractors or a lot of us healthcare providers, we make the mistake of thinking that our craft is the clinical stuff. It is, that's a no brainer. You've got to know how to adjust. You got to know the technique, you got to know the research, but all of that means nothing if you can't get people to walk into your door or if you can't close them. If they, you can't like teach them and communicate about the power of chiropractic the way that you understand it, right? 100%. That's exactly right. We always say that. That's like pretty much exactly what we say is you'd be the best chiropractor in the world, but if nobody's there to see it, I don't know how you can call yourself that. You know what I mean? Okay. And so it's all about, you definitely have to understand like the market and you have to know the market's always right. And you got to use the innovative tools to have people even experience your craft, you know? And I think... One thing I, I really want to dive into, because I know we talked about this in our, in our first conversation, I know we both agree on, I mean, I, I can pretty much say any Cairo listening, unless they're in your program or our program or some other program that coaches them about money, that you're probably underpriced. You know, most chiropractors, this is, you'll probably find this funny too, most, most healthcare providers in general, they price themselves according to the WAG strategy, which stands for wild ass guess, or 
they look around and see what everybody else is charging and then price themselves somewhere in the middle because they think it's safe, right? So I, I would say maybe you can add to it too that most Kairos, especially the guys that claim to be the best, it's like, well, your fee structure does not say that you're the best. You're not, you're, you're, you're not actually contributing to yourself financially and your own wealth enough to stay motivated, you know, or even make what you deserve, right? So what are your, what are your thoughts about the way chiropractors are, you know, not only like delivering their service and fees, but also setting their fee structures inside their practice? Yeah, and I get asked that question a lot because uh, a lot of chiropractors will say, okay, well, you say this part-time million-dollar cash practice, like, what are you talking about? And so when it comes down to it, well, yeah, my fees were higher than an average chiropractor um, down the street, but I think that with a, a couple of things... I think that the worst thing you could do is to go to your peers to determine what to charge. Like what you said, the wag, right? <laughs> a wild, the wild ass guess. That's the worst strategy you can have. Oh yeah. Do not go off of wag at all. But I think that there are a couple of things that you can go off of to determine what to charge and to get paid that in cash if you want to and sure if insurance if that's another that's that's another avenue right and one of the things that i um talk about with my uh chiropractors is having conviction and understanding the actual value that you provide as a chiropractor because most chiropractors they look at their services and they look at the public's perception of chiropractic and they'll say I, um, you know, I, I'm a neck and back pain doctor, which is fine if that's who you are. If that's what you treat, then totally fine. But I do believe only because I've experienced it firsthand and I don't think we have time to go through my story of, of how I, this happened, but I can tell you that I, I almost lost people in my practice because I didn't understand that chiropractic, even though on the surface it had to do with neck and back pain, that at a deeper level, it had to do with quality of life. And at, at one level deeper than that, it was life, life or death. I also lost the patient, you know? And so from a personal experience, I understand, and, and th going through those experiences, I really understood the value of chiropractic that it was no longer about neck pain and back pain, that it had so much more to do to actually, with, with actually giving life to their patients. And so if you're giving your patients their life back, then what is that worth? That's not worth, I mean, I'm not here to tell you don't charge $20, but don't charge $20 a visit, don't charge $40 a visit, charge way more than that. And you know what, the way you determine what you charge it has to do with your worthy, the self-worth of what you have within yourself. But I think one technique that you could use to determine that or to put a dollar amount on top of it, because I get asked this all the, all the time, is that you know, if you think about this person who you love the most, it could be your girlfriend, it could be your wife, it could be your husband, it could be your son, your mother, your father, who do, whose life do you value the most? It's usually not yourself. And if you look at that person and you think of them and picture them have some kind of a disease or condition or health condition that only this chiropractor in town can possibly help with, okay? 
if you can run yourself through that visualization and really feel what it feels like, my son, in my case, my son to be sick and have a chiropractor in town that might possibly know the answer, what am I willing to spend for an adjustment, for a treatment plan, for a year plan? What am I willing to spend for my son? That's exactly what I'll be charging. Because in that situation, I'm going to take a loan out of my house. I'm going to put it on my credit card. I'm going to take out my savings. I'm willing to do what it takes to get there. Now, some of you listening are like, okay, well, that's a little extreme or a little you know, dramatic. But here's the reality of it. The reason I said, what if this chiropractor knew something that, you know, that, that nobody else knew? What if this chiropractor was the person? Because most of your patients, by the time they come to you, you are that person to them. They've already been to other chiropractors. They've already tried 500 different ways of doing it. And they are left without a solution. And then they show up to your practice. But at the same time, on your end, it requires that you establish the fact that you are unique. You are different than all the other chiropractors down the street. So you have to have that, est that established um, the fact that what you do is different in the way you adjust, in who you adjust, in your niche, in you know what you do in your practice, this, the combination of services that you might be providing. So if you have that, then for me as a mom who, whose son is suffering, then I see you as the expert in that area. And I'm willing to spend money on an expert that could potentially solve the problem for my son. Okay. So I think there, it's such a multifaceted thing and I don't know what it is with chiropractors, but I do think as a profession and, and as a whole, we have, I have some theories on what, why that happens, but I think we do not value ourselves as, as real, as RDs, real doctors and as um, individuals who can potentially help people with their lives. hundred percent. I, I think you said it well, you know, just the analogy of like, you know, what is somebody willing to part with in order to solve one of the deepest problems in their life? You know what I mean? I mean, we use the, the example, whether it's relevant to male or female, but imagine if, you know, the back pain was so bad that you can no longer have romance with your significant other, right? Or you can't go kick your buddy's ass in golf. We've been beating for 40 years, but now you can't beat him because your back's all out of whack. Like, people are willing to pay whatever it takes once the pain and the root is established or why they're there in the actual first place, right? And so in the marketing side of things, and I want to transition to pick your brain a little bit on the marketing piece too, you know, a lot of the times uh, doctors are kind of pushed away from or not enthused about, you know, doing some sort of advertisement that, you know, calls out some level of pain that their potential patient might be experiencing, right? And a lot of the times, you know, we bridge the gap and we just talk about, you know, it's only a matter of just soliciting response and being relevant to them now. And then after that, once you get the response, then you can actually go deep and educate along the way. Right. So what, what, are, what are your thoughts about, you know, let's talk pandemic times about like the whole notion of new patient marketing, what's been effective in your community. What are some of the language pieces that you found effective? Like where do you guys begin with that? You know, I think that, uh, like what, what, you're, what you're talking about is, I'm glad you brought that up because you cannot go out there and market to a population that, whose perception is neck and back pain 
And you cannot go out there as the chiropractor, the healer, the one that gives life to people. You cannot use that language in public, right? You cannot draw people in with that language, in my opinion. Yeah. I think it's because the, uh, the population's perception is you help with my neck and back pain, then I want to cast a wide net to bring them in with the neck pain and back pain but the education piece of it, the way you communicate the urgency and the, and the ways, in the ways that their life is going to change, that happens inside of your clinic. It doesn't happen on a Facebook ad. It doesn't happen on your website. It doesn't happen on the content on your social media, right? What happens out there is you're speaking the language of the people you want to attract inside of your office. 100 percent. Right. that's exactly it nature's language yep yep and i, I think that's some good language right there that i you know i'm gonna no offense i'm gonna steal from you too you gotta you gotta tailor to the perception of what they believe it is and again it's it's not so much like you you can't bridge every gap in the ad you can't bridge every gap on the landing page you have to bridge enough gaps that you allow somebody to one have enough trust and have enough willpower and internal drive to actually say hey look I resonate with this. This is relevant to me. I'm going to just sign up. And then from there, that's when you can get in all the healing, how the life's going to change, future pace, all that kind of stuff. But trying to do that all, I would say from doing, you know, a ton of chiropractic marketing as yourself, I would say that that was, that is one of the biggest mistakes I see in providers ads is trying to do too much. You know, we always say that if you have to, if you have to overcome more than one belief inside of the ad, it's not going to be successful. Right. You have to do always one belief. And I think that, I think you're on that same page. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree. And um, even we do, I think I mentioned to you, we do some, my husband and I have some packages of social media that we give to chiropractors on monthly basis so that they can put stuff on their social media. We only give them enough content to fill half the month. Why? Because the other, the half the month, you're, you're doing a, uh, you're, like I said, you're casting a wide net to bring in everyone who's like, generally, this is what they believe about chiropractic. So let me speak their language and bring them in. The other half the time on social media, like if you're posting every day, one of the other ones, it's specific to what you want to put out there. Like right. here's Susie in our practice and it's her birthday or whatever. But every other piece of it, it's general enough that the general population is like, okay, you know what, I'm interested in that because that's exactly what I'm experiencing and that's exactly what I think that you will help in me. Right, yep. Yeah, we always say in the, in the relevancy side of marketing, it's like once, once somebody says in their head, you know, if somebody sees like, you know, Dr. Nona's ad on Facebook and they read that ad and they think to themselves like, wow, like Dr. Nona is for me, she's my person. Once somebody says that in their head, price is irrelevant, the sales conversation is around, they're already prepared to buy. They just got, you just got to get them in. Right. And so it's all about being like relevant. I think you said it best where it's like, we don't tailor to ourselves. And because again, it's not what I want. It's not what you want. It's what the market wants. Right. It's what they're going to respond to. Right. Okay. And so I think that's, you know, it's, it's, it's checking the, the ego at the door and understanding that we have to appease to them in order for them to even give us the time of day to educate further. Yep. hundred percent. I agree. Love it. That's, that's absolutely awesome. Well, let's, uh, let's do a little, you know, we're about, let's see how far we are here. We're about 40 minutes in. This has been a tremendous conversation. One of my favorites to date, actually. 
Um, but I want to actually do a little promotion for yourself. I, I want to talk a little bit about the business that you do, uh, part-time million-dollar chiropractic, how you got started in there. And then I want to give people a chance to, you know, get in contact with you if they feel that you might be a good fit for them and what they're in the what position they're in right now. Um, so do you want to just give us a quick little synopsis? I know you have, I know you do one-on-one -on -one coaching and I know you also have a mastermind program as well. Uh, why don't you just give us like a little bit of like a rundown on that? And then I can also link people out if they want to have a conversation further. Yeah, sure. So, um, part-time million dollar cash practice really started um, after I burnt out in, in, in my own clinic. So first few years, I hired a couple of coaches, practice management coaches, and I, it just, you know, like you have to follow the recipe. You got to do it exactly like this. You got to fit into this box of the two day system, three day system. And by the way, Jeff, I did all of that. I was like the, the A plus student in those practice management coaching groups. I even coached with them for them. And um, yet I was just spending too many hours in the clinic, uh, just hustling to get new patients. There was no real talk about the innovative, smart ways of marketing and bringing in new patients. It was like just kind of old school and from the 80s, including the scripts that existed, including the sales cycles, all of it. And so I burnt out a few years into clinic and I decided I'm going to drop everything I've learned and just kind of start from scratch. So I did, I implemented a few pillars into that, which we won't have time to get into, but basically then I was able to create the life, like first create the life that I wanted to create for myself, which was more freedom, more time with my kids, with my husband, vacation, leaving my clinic and coming back so that I, you know, my clinic was still running and the numbers were going up. So um, first I determined that kind of life. And then I um, created a practice based on the kind of life that I wanted to live. And so that turned out to be this part-time million dollar cash practice. So one of the things I did was I dropped insurance because I felt like it wasn't in alignment with who I was. I also, uh, you know, reduced my hours. I tapped into all these, the new era stuff like social media, Facebook ads and Google and all this other stuff. So I implemented all of those, created a part-time million dollar cash practice. And so now I'm able to teach other chiropractors do the same thing. Now I have um, tons of people in my mastermind group um, that you mentioned that are and have built a part-time million dollar cash practice. But I always say that I'm not here to teach you exactly how to do that. I can, but I'm actually here to teach you how you can create your version of the part-time million dollar cash practice, whatever, because ultimately you're you and you got to do you. And, and so the mastermind is a place where we bring in ideas on whether it's got to do with mindset and time management, staff management, but also a lot of communication as well as on the technology side of it like what do we do to rank better on google what do we do to you know for our yelp reviews not to get filtered you know all of that kind of stuff that goes into creating a well-rounded clinic so we talk about those every week we have two meetings every single week one is an hour and a half and the other one's shorter and we tackle all the different ways that you can be successful and create the practice of your dreams Love it. That's awesome. And you also do some, uh, some level of one-on-one -on -one coaching for those that want more of like an intimate, uh, plan and strategy for what they're looking for, huh? 
Yeah, so I take um, 10 clients every year, and for 2021, I've just got a couple of spots left, uh, but that's obviously higher end, someone who's already massively successful, and they're just looking for small tweaks to have a you know massive change in, inside of their clinics, too. Love it. That's super awesome. And uh, one thing I wanted to ask you too, I know you're, uh, this is a little bit off and I want to, I'm going to make sure we get your contact info for everybody here as well. Um, you're, you're, you're affiliated and you're good. You're in Tony Robbins platinum partnership program. Uh, how did you manage to get inside there and how's that experience been? I just have to ask. Man. Um, it's funny. Can I tell you how I signed up? Yeah, please do. So I'm sitting at one of his seminars and of course there's hypnotic Tony Robbins stuff going on. And, um, they they sell it to you inside of the summit inside of one of his i think we were at a date with destiny and at the time i was looking one of the goals i had written down in date with destiny was i want to sell my clinic and i want to get it which i have had for a year mind you i listed my clinic i wanted to sell it for a whole year hired a broker all this stuff and it just kept falling through and so I'm sitting at Date with Destiny and he's selling me up there this idea of platinum partnership where you get to travel with Tony Robbins and da 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 and it's a $75,000 just to start plus all this other cost and investment, not cost. But then uh, they're like, okay, you got to go to the back of the room and sign up. And they had separated my husband and I from one another. And I was like, I'm feeling it. And I think it was that same uh, in instinct that I like to tap into more often <laughs> that you brought up earlier. I go, I'm feeling it. So I did not talk to my husband. Don't do this at home. Did not talk to my husband. Walk back to the back of the room and I gave them $75,000 <laughs> that, you know, it was a big chunk of money. Uh, and so it was done, right? Done. I was signed up for that. And I came back to my seat and I, I, you know, actually afterwards I talked to my husband and I was trying to convince him to also sign up for it. I said, you know, I, we can do it together, blah, blah, blah. And um, ultimately that's how I signed up. But here's the funny thing. I came back, I looked at my phone and I had a text message from my broker that I'd never had before. He goes, I think I have the perfect buyer for you and she's ready to make a full price offer on your clinic. So that was the, the most like just transformational experience in itself because here I am spending $75,000 freely investing in myself and in my business or whatever businesses I was going to have at the time. And, um, and I come back to, you know, mold, you know, multiples, I don't even know how many multiples of that you know, in a text message. And that person ends up, she actually ended up being in Florida where I was, where Date With Destiny was. We got on the phone call and it turns out she was the right buyer. She ended up uh, buying my clinic at, you know, at the full price that I, my asking price. So the moral of the story is that go with your gut, invest in yourself, invest in your business. Even sometimes it seems like way bigger than, than uh, what you may be able to quote unquote afford. But I think what's on the other side of this, once you drop that resistance, what's on the other side of it is just so much more uh, abundance and prosperity and everything else. Man, that's some badass stuff. That's like you put energy, you put energy in the world and the world giving it right back to you. You know, you got like, that's exactly it. He's like, you pay for proximity and that proximity got you what you wanted, you know, which is like an insane thing. 
immediately, Jeff, immediately came back, had a text message done. Yeah, that's exactly. That's, that's like, I'm all about like, like coincidences are real. Sure, man. But that, that, that was meant to be, you know, and it's all about putting energy in the right places. You know, if it feels right, go with it. I think, uh, I asked you in the beginning of this podcast, if you consider yourself an intuitive person. Well, I think you are because that's some, that's a very intuitive decision that certainly paid major dividends for you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you. If, if people want to get in touch with you, I'll make sure to drop your website and all in the show notes. If you guys want to get in touch uh, with Dr. Nona, uh, what's the best way to do so? Email, Facebook, Instagram? Yeah, I'm all over social media. So they can, you know, they can find me on social media, but also they can go to my website, you know, and if it seems like it's something I can possibly help them with, whether it's mastermind or private coaching, then they can reach out to me via email as well. Beautiful. Well, I'll make sure to link all of your uh, Dr. Nona's uh, social links in the show notes below. Make sure to check out her website. Uh, email should be on there and then I'll link out to all of her social media as well. Make sure you give her a follow on there. Dr. Nona, I appreciate you being with us today. It's been an amazingly fun episode and uh, certainly hope to do it again sometime, but I appreciate your time and energy today. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I had fun. Absolute pleasure. If you found this content valuable, I hope you leave us a five-star review. And if you want more content like this, head over to our free Facebook community or check us out at www.accelerateyourclinicgrowth.com start.